morning, everyone. I'm Gene Valicenti. This is 10 News Commons. And Mayor Jorge Alorza is my guest. He's coming into our studios from Providence. Thanks for coming in, Mayor. Nice to have you back in studio again. Good to be on here with you, Gene. Let's get right to it. Uh, how about this? The governor looks like the white knight because you've got trouble with crime in Providence. You're way up in some categories. And he says, I'm going to give you the state police to help you. Politics involved? Look, I, I'm going to give him and I'll give everyone the benefit, benefit of the doubt. When he sent a letter to us at the end of May, mm -hmm. you know, immediately my police chief and his police chief, they met to coordinate to come up with some kind of a strategy. He sent another letter a couple of days ago or a few days ago and mm -hmm. saying that we hadn't responded. That's just patently false. So our chiefs have been in communication since the, since the end of May. So, you know, let's trust the police chiefs. Let's trust the professionals in this space. And any offer to help, whether it comes from the, um, the state, whether it comes from another department, you know, anyone who can help us address the issues, we're never going to turn down resources. Yep. You know, when it comes to crime, it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a complicated picture. So when you look at, you know, when you look at homicides in particular, homicides are up right now, which is a great, great concern. I mean, it destabilizes and shakes up mm -hmm. everybody in the community. And so you break it down. It's interesting that shootings, however, the shootings, so shootings we call, you know, bullets and bodies. Yeah. Uh, are at the same place where they were five years ago. But really interesting, in 2016, we had about 37, 38 shootings year to date, right. with only one person dying from those shootings. Today, we have 37, 38 shootings, 12 people dying from those shootings. Right. And so what we see happening is that the shootings are becoming more deadly. When people let off rounds, it's not just one or two, now it's a hail of gunfire. There's just too many guns and ammunition out there. Right. And so that informs our approach on how we address that rise. I've got some stats I'm going to put up, and I'll let you flesh that out, because I know you were making, a, uh, you wanted to make a point. Now, these are your freshest stats. 2021, year-to-date homicides, 12. Last year, 2. Mm -hmm. 2021, year-to-date shooting victims, 39. Last year, you had 21. So clearly, crime is up, Mayor. Now, I don't know if these guys have better shots, or they have more, more firepower. Whatever it is, it is. These could be gang-related shootings. This could be a lot of, at play. You could get three shootings in one house. Excuse your numbers. But the overall, these are your stats from, from, the, from the, uh, the website. Uh, crime is up. Now, who am I to, who are we to, who are we to hold responsible so, for that? So, so crime is not up. So well, it's shootings, up from year to year, man. So, so those, so, yeah. so shootings and homicides, those are up. And that's a great, great concern. But when you look at violent crime throughout, crime is down. Actually, crime, uh, violent crime is way down. Property crime is way down. So it's a lot more complicated picture, and you've got to dig into the details. Okay. So uh, 20 and 21, uh, years 20 and 21, they were very low when it came to, at least for the first half of the year, mm -hmm. when it came to both shootings and homicides. Of course, last year in 21, they picked up in the second half of the year. But when you look at the five-year average, you know, that's, um, that's, that's why I say that shootings are exactly where they were back in 2016. Yeah. However, homicides resulting from those shootings, those are way, way up. You know, Mayor, they don't allow us to do that in broadcasting. Your ratings are down. <laughs> they don't go back and say, five years ago, your ratings were it's, you're down. It's up. Let me play the governor, then you can react, and just give me a definitive answer. You're going to take the state police. Let's play the, let's play the governor. What prompted me to do that was the, you know, the gun activity that's in Providence and recently uh, as a few days back, right, uh, that um, is troubling for the state. I think as a governor, uh, if I have resources that I believe can help uh, any community in the state, I'm going to offer them up. Is there anything political to you offering or potentially his response or lack of response that you see at this point with the governor's race next year as a backdrop? 
No, the only re the only reason that I bring it up is that I believe that the state police can help, uh, you know, the city of Providence uh, as they have in the past. Well, look, we'd be naive if we didn't think politics was involved. He wants to run for re-election. You want to run for governor. By the way, are you running? <laughs> I haven't well, made a decision yet. You, you act like you're running, right? You talk about a lot of issues, and everybody thinks you're running. Yeah, I'm focused on running, running state. But I want to speak to. Are you going to take wanna, his? Or you take his offer, state police. So, so I want to speak to this. Okay. I think that not just the the governor, but myself as well. We should follow the lead of our police chiefs. They're the professionals in this space. Our chiefs have been talking and coming up with a strategy. Right. When I think about you know, how the state police can be most helpful, they can be most helpful on the prevention side, getting guns off the streets. Having more patrol cars on the streets, as my police chief mentioned, that's something that we've done in the past and we've worked with the state police. And as uh, Chief Clements mentioned, there's zero evidence that it, has, that it has had any impact. Now, there are a lot of different ways that we can partner, and absolutely, we eagerly look forward to partnering in oh, those ways. Okay, so I have to interpret this now. In other words, I'm not going to see cruisers patrolling Olneyville. They did that uh, years ago. On the beat, there's a trooper. He's patrolling, looking out. This could be a form of uh, cooperation in other areas, but it's not going to be troopers patrolling Olneyville. That's right. Am I going to go with that? Uh, that that's right, but okay. I take my lead from, from the professional in the space. I, I listen to my police chief. All right. Well, look, I think we made a little ground because we have to get... You'll, you'll take a little help, you'll talk to them, but they're not going to be patrolling the streets in Providence. So the, so the answer to him is something but with uh, conditions. All right. Uh, we put the stats up, uh, and uh, let's move to uh, something we all saw unfold, Sale Street. Mm -hmm. It was a big brawl there. And uh, we learned that that particular family involved had been visited by the police, I think, 42 times over 18 mm -hmm. months. Ridiculous, Mayor. And I've seen all these videos that have been released. I don't think I missed one of them. And I didn't see anything untoward by any of your police officers. I saw cops who were uh, pretty reserved. You got people fighting with them, grabbing them by the neck. I didn't see anybody pepper spray. I didn't see any broken ha heads, clubs, nothing like that. Are you going to stand behind the police and say they did a pretty good job in, in handling that? Yeah, when you look at the totality of the circumstances, yeah. almost all of our police, they showed great, res great restraint, great professionalism, and uh, they met the standards, that we, the high standards that we have as a police department. Um, however, when you look at, when you look at uh, some of the things that were said yes. in particular, they fall short of the standards, especially okay. when it comes to de-escalation and the respect for, for the community. So I understand that moments get heated, but we, but we still have to have high standards. I also want to talk about the, the 42 times that the police officers, that the police had come to the scene in right. the past. You know, that's really important to think about. We sent the police over 42 times. The reason why we sent the police over 42 times is because there's no one else to send. And this is part of a larger conversation about reimagining policing. Okay. You know, what a waste of police resources, uh, resources in general. If we're continuing to send them out there and it's absolutely not fixing the problem or doing any good. So that's part of what we're looking at uh, right now in our police department. Are there different services that we can deploy? Right? Not when there's a melee in the street and folks are going at it. You need the police for that. But short of that, there are a number of different services that you can, that you can send that would likely be, likely be much more effective. And so, you know, we really have to ask, is sending the police 
42 times to the same place, the best use of our resources, the best use of police's time? I think everybody would say no. Uh, and that's yeah. why we need to think about different resources that we can deploy to situations I don't, like that. I don't, look, if you, you pre present it that way, 42 times they went. Did they have to go all 42 times? I don't know. I'd have to go back and look at the records. Let's hold that because that's going to lead us nicely into a conversation about defunding the police. You use the term reimagining mm -hmm. the police. Plus, you're going to go sign a budget later today uh, that's going to have money for the police. So let's hold it. And we'll be right back after this break with Providence Mayor Jorge Alorza. Welcome back to 10 News Conference. We're continuing with Providence Mayor Jorge Alorza. Mayor, before we went to break, we left off on Sale Street, the brawl. And uh, you're backing the cops on that. They showed great restraint, despite what that neighborhood press conference said, people being beaten. And I saw none of that. No, no, uh, children being pepper sprayed. There was none of that, Mayor. So do you need to go back to that neighborhood and get a hold of some of these leaders and activists, including Black Lives Matter, and say, hey, guys, what's going on here? This wasn't the case. I'll tell you, Gene, I, I think the most important thing that we did, and this is something we did several years ago in Providence, is we put body-worn cameras yeah. on every single police officer. We were the first department in all of New England to adopt these, these, cam to adopt these cameras. And, uh, you know, the first video that was out there, you don't get the full context, you don't get the full picture. And so the first thing that we did as a city, our, our policy is let's just release all of our cameras. Let's put mm. them out there and let the public judge for themselves. And I think that when you look at the, the full context, the full picture of it, right. it paints a very different picture than what you saw um, uh, in that first video and what you know, many folks from, uh, from the community were saying at first. All right. Now, there's a question of the language used by some police officers. In fact, it sounds like you have a resignation. One the senior officer there, he was caught on tape uh, saying inappropriate things. But you know what? I, is it inappropriate? It, it sounds inappropriate for you and me to be sitting here in the studio. But in the heat of battle, where somebody may have had their arm around that guy's neck, and he's running around trying to grab people, and he uses language. There was no, there was no racial epithets used, to my knowledge. But he says things like that, go over there and grab that one, or we're going to put this one in the cruiser. What, what spe you know the specifics, right? He referred to someone as a he-she. Okay. But was that the worst of it? And does that deserve this guy's retirement, or do we have to look at it in the heat of the battle? Yeah, no, it, it, it went even beyond that. There, there's, a, there's a comment in there about... Um, Putting, referring to people as animals, um, letting, we'll stack them up inside the cruise, letting them that. die inside the the paddy wagon. That, that we okay. just don't do that. We are better than that as a police department, and that falls way short of our standards. All right, um, Amandi uh, is the uh, union head. He was on the radio, and he sounds like a very frustrated uh, cop. He said, you're, "You're against us on everything we do, not you personally." But he just said, being a cop these days, everybody's against us. Even when we handle something 99% uh, right, like Sale Street. Go ahead and play this, and you respond to his frustration. We're getting zero support from the mayor, from the commissioner, from you know, a lot of the public. We'll go back to this last incident that happened uh, you know, a week and a half ago, where a big disturbance, we're tied up for several hours, and all that we got out of it was... The officers used bad language. Everybody forgets about the incident that took place and the people that were involved in that incident and, and the havoc that they wreaked on their neighborhood for the, for the several hours before that. The disturbance that took place when police officers got there. You know, let's, let's discard all of that and just vilify what the police are doing, because that's exactly what the mayor is doing. That's exactly what these public uh, interest groups are doing. That's exactly what the Commission of Public Safety did. Well, listen, Mayor, he just laid it out and he laid you out. Now, yeah. that's the union boss, and I'm sure a lot of other cops feel the same way he does. So, I've, and I, I spoke with Mike just yesterday, and yeah. we, can agree to, we can agree to disagree. You know, the, the language that was used was just excessive and beyond the pale. 
you know, falling way short of our standards and what we expect of our police officers. Mm -hmm. And uh, I believe that's egregious, and he and I can agree to disagree on that. You know, when it comes to the, to the support for the police department versus no, you know, this is within the context of folks who want to literally defund and some folks want to abolish the police. Mm -hmm. You know, but that's not what I hear when I talk to neighbors and when I talk to people throughout the city. If anything, people ask me for more of a police presence. But not just more of a police presence, but they actually want to build relationships, have uh, respectful relationships uh, built up with police officers. So there's a lot of support for the police department throughout the entire city. And you know, when you look at the budget that we just passed uh, just yesterday, yep. you know, there's, you know, within the context of defunding the police, the city of Providence has actually increased funding for the police. And we're also uh, funding a new academy. We're bringing on 50 new police officers. So, I mean, the suggestion yeah. that we're anti-police couldn't be further from the truth. All right, you talk about reimagining police. Mm -hmm. And uh, listen, some stuff you've said makes absolute sense. You're talking about, I don't need to send a cop to offend a vendor. Uh, to take down an accident report, it's something to think about. And uh, if there's 43 times they went to this one house, maybe, maybe uh, obviously 43 times didn't work, maybe something else would have worked. But in the context, you, I think you have to ensure, assure the voters. And by the way, look at what happened in New York. The toughest of the Democrats got in. Mm -hmm. uh, people don't like this defund the police, abolish the police. You have some politicians in your, your city saying that. Yeah, it's, a, it's something that you've never heard me say, use, or, 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 or speak, uh, speak to. Um, look, you know, what I try to do is uh, I'm a problem solver every single day. Mm. And, uh, you know, when you, when you identify a challenge such as you look at how we allocate police resources, does it really make sense to send them out to the same scene 42 times? Mm -hmm. Or should we think differently? Well, all right, let's think differently. That doesn't mean throwing the baby out with the bathwater. It doesn't mean abolishing what we have entirely. It means taking a scalpel and figuring out, well, what kind of investments do we need to make? That's what reimagining uh, re means. And when I think about you know, our police department, 20 years ago, we were ahead of the curve on po community policing. It was resisted. People sort of poo-pooed it and ridiculed it. And look at where it's gotten us. Mm -hmm. 20 years later, you compare uh, crime statistics today to crime statistics you know, to, uh, in the, in the mid-1990s, <gasps> no comparison. They're down across the board. And just as Providence was a leader 20 years ago, yep. I want to be a leader um, now so that 20 years, ago, 20 years from now, we also see the same continued reduction in crime. All right, let's set aside crime and police. Let's go to something else you were in the news for, problem solving. Uh, you want to give 110 families $500 a month. Now, this is not taxpayer money. This is somebody else's money, which does kind of lessen the sting for those who may be against this. Uh, and you want to give them 500 bucks a month and see if it betters their lives. Yeah. Uh, what's that old proverb, teach a man to fish? He'll eat for life. Give him a fish. He'll eat for the day. Aren't you just giving him a fish? So, um, you know, what's interesting about this, you know, my family, we grew up in poverty. And uh, my family, my mother worked around the clock. She worked second shift. She had, um, you know, a, a daycare in the house in our yeah. second floor apartment. You know, my parents busted their tail. At 30 and 40 years ago, you could do that and still get ahead. However, what we're seeing today is that people are working two, three, three jobs, gig economy jobs. Yeah and they're still falling behind. What we're doing isn't working right now. And what I want to do is, well, what, what we recognize is just this reality that, um, you know, sometimes poverty is just so crushing and so oppressive that it keeps you from moving forward. So for example, you may be so poor that you can't afford a car, so you rely on public transportation and it makes it tough for you to get a job and hold it down. You may be so poor that you, you, know, you, can't, uh, you can't provide 
regular, consistent daycare for your family makes it hard for you to get a job or work in certain places. Right. And so that level of po poverty, we want to help people not by giving them some kind of dependency, but by actually giving them some liberty that comes with those extra dollars. Well, and so we're following models uh, of these guaranteed yeah. income programs in other places. And what we found, Gene, is that people who participate in these programs, they end up increasing their full-time employment by a much higher level than people who don't participate in these programs. So, you know, it's an experiment, it's a pilot. We're using privately funded dollars yes. to see if th this is something that works. Because one thing we can say for sure is that what we're doing right now just doesn't work. We need to think different. We need to be creative. Well, as I said, it's some money from the United Way, Rhode Island Foundation. There's some money from the guy who runs Twitter. This is private funds, and if they want to give it to you and use it as an experiment, I don't, I, I don't see the sting in that. The sting would come, Mayor, though, if this ever moved to a taxpayer-funded dollars. And I heard politicians, oh, this is going to just be the experiment, but we, have, we want guaranteed income that taxpayers would foot. We'll get to that right after the break. Plus, we have to talk about the schools. Welcome back. The mayor of Providence is my guest. Mayor, we left off talking about this uh, $500 you're going to give to 110 families. It's private money. It's a charitable money, not taxpayer money. And you want to expand upon that because you said, well, this is working in other states. And the concern for some taxpayers is, wait a minute, oh, if uh, United Way wants to give you money, that's one thing. But if you start to take it out of the tax coffers, that's another mayor. Yeah. So, it, you know, it, it's interesting. The, um, remember that we already do this. So, you know, there, there are programs that help you with housing. There are programs that help you with food. Right. There are programs that help you with, with health care. Uh, but it comes with a number of different restrictions. And, Gene, what we end up doing is we, we create this massive bureaucracy, this massive infrastructure that administers the program. Mm -hmm. And so all of that money, instead of creating a bureaucracy, why don't we just put it into the hands of the people that are going to use it right away? And this isn't radically different from what we're seeing right now. Just yesterday, the payments for the, I believe it's the child tax credit. Yes. Um, uh, they just started yesterday. So this is already a thing in the United right. States. Um, they, um, you know, other countries and other, and other states here in the United States, they already do something similar. And this is an experiment to see if it works. Does it actually help you know, improve people's uh, lives? Right. Does it actually help them gain employment? Does it help them you know, with physical and mental health? And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll see that it's a success. And then we'll cross the bridge of what we do, how do we expand it in the future. It does go against the grain, though, of, of American, uh, you eat what you kill, uh, those who shall not work shall not eat. This goes back to Jamestown. <laughs> so it does go against this tradition. But I, I'm listening to what you're saying. And again, I think we can be open-minded because it's, it's not taxpayer dollar. Now, when you get into taxpayers' money, that's a whole different thing. And when you talk about reparations, that's a whole different thing, Mayor. Because now you're talking about balancing the books of history on someone else's back. Am I correct in that? You know these arguments are coming. Yeah. Well, reparations is something totally yeah. different. Right. Um, uh, with reparations, the reason why we started you're this process... Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm also part of a group of mayors throughout the country. Right. And we're moving, this, we're moving this forward and trying to push it so that other institutions, states, yeah. and federal government take it up as well. You know, what it comes down to is that you know, we have never addressed the race issue directly in our country, never in our history. I mean, from the founding moment uh, when, um, uh, when, uh, uh, when the founding fathers were negotiating the Constitution, slavery was the dividing issue. It divided the country during, during, um, during the Civil War, and uh, we made some progress during the Civil Rights era, but not fully. And look at where it's gotten us. It, it, it certainly seems to me as though race relations are as bad as they've been, at least in my lifetime. And uh, we need a different approach. And the reality is that, you know, when you talk to members in the black community, the wounds run really mm -hmm. deep. 
And if we really want to make the most out of this yeah. moment, well, we need to go to the source. So what we launched is a truth, reconciliation, and reparations process. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of our, our history that we just don't learn. Mm -hmm. We want to bring attention to that, have it be fingertip knowledge for our community, guide our, our city through a reconciliation process. Other countries, other societies have done this successfully. And then also go through a reparations process. And uh, what I plan to do is empanel a group okay. from, the, uh, from the community and they'll make recommendations as to what form reparations at the municipal level are, uh, should take so that they can have the greatest impact. Uh, I understand. Uh, you know the other side of the argument, and we, we have other things to talk about, but some will say African Americans are doing as, bad, as good as they are now than they've ever done. Under President Trump, they had the highest unemployment rate they've ever had. So there is a flip side to the argument, but we're not going to solve it today. Let's move on to your schools, because that's more of a pressing issue. Uh, the, you know, I had Speaker Shikarchi on last week, and I thought he gave me a little news. He said, oh, we're going we're to get a contract agreement pretty soon. Go ahead and, and uh, play Speaker Sakarchin, and you tell me, have you heard this? I expect a contract very shortly. I would not be surprised if this gets resolved in very short order. So you think within a couple of weeks you're going to get news on this? You're going to have a deal? I wouldn't say the word couple of weeks. I think it's short time. It may, it may be July, it may be August, but I think the governor will have a contract resolution. That's my understanding. Well, this is mid-July. <laughs> Two weeks is August. Does he know something you don't know? So I've been very I've been very clear on this. You know, the only reason why you know, I made the decision to bring in the state yes. is because, remember, the state has the power to reform the contract. We can't do it at the local level. And so we all agree the contract needs to be changed. They have the power to do it. Now, I've been I've been very clear to the governor in private and also in public that anything that falls short of a transformation in that contract is something that we are just not going to accept. And, uh, you know, we have teed it up so that the state has all the leverage and all the power to make changes to the contract. Now, a strategic mistake that I believe the governor made is that the governor said that he is not going to impose terms. The governor is not going to take, uh, take them to court. So you give up all your leverage during negotiations. And, uh, you know, what we're end up, if we do reach a contract, yeah. what I expect is that there'll be minor concessions okay. and it's going to fall short of the transformation that we need. It's not going to be enough and we're not going to accept, we're not going to accept it. Well, listen, he's not afraid to, to jive you a little bit on the policing issue at the top of the thing. So do you want to jive him and say he's going to give away the store to curry favor with the teachers union? That's what it looks like. That's exactly what I've said in the past and I stand by my statements. So there's politics at play here. Well, this is policy. This is absolute policy. You know, I ran because I wanted to reform the schools. And uh, look at my history. You know, I have clashed with the teachers' union when necess necessary and done what I could to move the ball forward on education. We have teed it up so that the state can reform that contract, and we are not going to let them sell out our kids and uh, fall short of the transformations that we need. This is the moment. If yeah. we sell out our kids and make deep concessions, um, then we're essentially resigning our schools to be mediocre and failing for the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years. That's unacceptable. Well, if we do get word that there is a contract, we're going to have to ask you if he sold out, and that's going to be the follow-up. I've got 30 seconds left, just a hard 30. You're signing the budget, $539 million. There's more money for police. You're not defunding them. There's no broad-based tax hike. So go ahead and you can crow about that for 20 seconds. <laughs> I just will say 20. Sure. Um, yeah, I'm really proud of this budget. Uh, we've balanced every single budget since I've been in office, and this is the seventh straight year without tax rate hikes. That's the first time that has happened since the end of World War II. 
uh, by a Providence mayor. So we're responsible with the finances and still finding ways to invest in a budget that invests in our yep. youth and brings our community up. All right. Mayor, thanks for coming in. We'll continue this on the radio because a lot more to talk about. But we hit it today. Crime, uh, education, and uh, everything else we talked about. Thanks for coming in. My Appreciate pleasure. It.